Welcome to the Naturally Nourished Podcast that delivers cutting-edge food as medicine solutions for optimal health. Allie Miller is a nutrition expert sought up by the media and America's top medical institutes for her revolutionary functional medicine interventions. From disease treatment to prevention, every episode will empower you with ways to put yourself back in control of your health. Please note, the topics discussed are for educational purposes only. Now welcome, Integrative Dietitians Allie Miller and her co-host Becky Yu. Welcome to episode 227 of the Naturally Nourished Podcast. Today you are joining us for food as medicine for seasonal allergies. So this has been a really big ask for a long time and honestly I can't believe we haven't done an entire episode on allergies yet. I know. I think that we've touched on allergies as a symptom of adrenal fatigue, you know, or we'll touch on allergies when touching on dysbiosis or side effects of mast cells. Definitely probably our most on topic of allergy episode that we have out was with Dr. Becky Campbell, the histamine episode, which was number 185 of the Naturally Nourished podcast. And then one of our first ever immune episodes, episode 68, supporting your immune system, we did include allergies as a component in there. But today is going to totally be a deep dive and we can't wait to share with you all of the information that we have, food as medicine, supplements, and really working that root cause mechanism of what drives allergic response or more seasonal uh, environmental allergies. Yes. All right. So any updates before we dive in? Um, I think the big one that I would share is that if you are not subscribed to the Naturally Nourished newsletter, make sure that you are. We just started doing some really fun stuff. In fact, we are going to be featuring protocols twice a month as well as featuring supplements with exclusive flash sales only for our newsletter subscribers. So we will be taking all of today's copy and putting this into a comprehensive protocol on seasonal allergies. We have one coming down uh, the road on estrogen dominance and so much more. So this will be really user-friendly content where you can click direct to supplements, you can click direct to recipes on the blog, all in a really polished format. And again, the Naturally Nourished newsletter is always the best place to stay on top of what we're releasing as well as upcoming classes. And hopefully we'll be adding some events coming soon, Becky. I'm kind of feeling- I sure hope so. I'm feeling an itch that regardless, (laughs) we're just gonna have to host something if nothing's going in the books. So- Yep, the um, newsletters where uh, you can get the kind of underground scoop, if you will. Yes, (laughs) yes. So definitely uh, you can sign up for that. We'll put a link in today's show notes. And also you can just go to AllieMillerRD.com and at the bottom, bottom right corner, there's a little fill-in slot to enter in your email. And when you do that, you do get a two-week functional food plan. And uh, that includes information on things like MRT testing and a bunch of functional medicine elements, as well as food as medicine recipes. Okay. And then beyond that, we would love to request from y'all that are avid listeners of the podcast and love what we share a five-star review on the Naturally Nourished podcast if you've not already done so. Especially in this season, you know, there have been not very many, but a couple of lower star or one star reviews um, just because of some of the controversial information that we've been sharing. And so a five star review would be amazing, amazing, amazing if you could take a few seconds to write, you know, a couple of sentences or just one sentence even will do it um, to help to offset some of those other reviews that we can maintain a five star rating. Yes, just two weeks ago, we released the Texans for Vaccine Choice episode. So that came with it, of course, another lash of some, you know, unfavorable reviews. We have awesome five-star reviews, you know, a a pure evidence-based podcast and awesome titles and the liking. And then, you know, we did have just a couple come in from faithful listener to now frightened um, because, you know, not only does Allie have the ability to break down topics and educate her strength, but leaving the podcast because of controversial, opinionated feedback um, on DVOC. So just again, if you are into us sharing free thinking and questioning the narrative and practicing dissent, which is really the necessity of scientific discovery, you know, we should always be as people that believe in 
science, truly, um, the testing of the hypothesis. That, that's always been how scientific method has expanded. You go back and you test the hypothesis. You don't just accept the hypothesis and censor things that question the hypothesis. So we will always be questioning our own positions on things. We'll always be open to looking at a deeper dive, pulling clinical research and you know gold standard literature like randomized clinical trials and all the information that we disseminate. And often it is an unpopular truth because we are in a medical industrial complex that has multi-billions invested into keeping people in the dark and keeping sick care the way that we treat people in our country. Um, and we're really against that. We're looking for empowering you guys to use functional medicine to really address the root causes so that you can not only silence symptoms, you can actually resolve symptoms and feel empowered and actually optimized in your health story and journey. Yep. And we're not going to stop doing that. So if you're a listener, um, please head on over and just leave a quick five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Yes. All right, let's do it, girl. Okay, so jumping right in because spring is around the corner and I know a lot of Texans at least are already dealing with allergies, especially the recent cedar surge in Austin. Um, It's my first experience with that this year. Um, So it's estimated that between 40 and 60 million people actually deal with seasonal allergies every year. Yes. And I think as a functional medicine practitioner, as I kind of alluded to, when I hear of people saying, oh, well, I moved to this place and all of a sudden I started having to take Claritin daily or, you know, I'm using XYZ over the counter. It must be the shift of the allergies in that climate or, you know, the different tree pollen, which yes, juniper or cedar is quite invasive and quite inflammatory. You know, there's an entire world of cedar fever. And so there can actually be some quite influential inflammatory responses of this particular antigen. But with that being said, I often think, well, when you relocate, also that means that there is a shift in your levers of how you calibrate or regulate your stress response. And what we'll touch on today is really that big understanding that there's a feedback mechanism of your adrenal glands. And when cortisol levels are burned out or depleted, corticosteroids are natural antihistamine influencers. Yes. Um, So, and I think for a lot of people, you know, we just consider allergies to be a normal part of life or, you know, we're popping that daily Claritin or we're doing Flonase a couple times a week and not really thinking twice about that having, you know, an impact on the body or what's going on kind of deeper down, especially, you know, looking at gut, looking at systemic inflammation as root causes. Um, So today we'll go into all that and more, and we'll talk about what you can actually do to not only alleviate symptoms, but hopefully be less and less reactive. Yes. Uh, So I think let's start just uh, real briefly, what happens with a seasonal allergy reaction? So when we're talking about seasonal allergies, we're talking about compounds or antigens, environmental allergens that trigger an IgE, immediate antibody production. And these are generally coming in through the respiratory system. These molecules will cause mast cells and basophils to release histamine and other allergy-mediating molecules. And these drive inflammatory processes, often in the kind of ear, nose, throat area. So nasal airways, itchy eyes, swelling, mucus, phlegm production, and can even cause cough. Totally. And it's really, you know, the body overreacting to something that otherwise would be potentially harmless or for some people might be harmless and for some people they might have a really intensive response. Yes. And as we'll discuss, you know, if the immune system is dysregulated, that overreactivity or if inflammatory processes are dysregulated, that overreactive inflammatory mechanism can definitely be more remarkable or the individual would have higher dynamic symptoms. So we can see anything from congestion to postnasal drip, excessive mucus, so that like that's that postnasal drip or sneezing to get the mucus out, uh, runny nose, itchy, watery eyes, scratchy throat, 
Uh, even irritation in the ears, we can see an impact on cognitive function, even without those antihistamines, which can cause quite the balloon head. Mm -hmm. uh, but we can even see just with the allergen themselves, because they can cross that blood-brain barrier, um, we can see decreased concentration and focus. We can see kind of just malaise or fatigue. We can see disrupted sleep patterns, mood swings, irritability, lower blood pressure, asthma or reactive airway, and then we can even see some dermatological influence like hives and eczema. Yes. So a lot of symptoms that, you know, some of those are really obvious, like that's an allergic response, but maybe the brain fogginess or balloon head, you're like, what the heck is going on? And then you check the pollen count for that day. Right. I think generally we think sneezes yeah. Yeah. are like a, that's an allergy response. Something came in and the immune system says, don't like it, get it out as quickly as possible. So we can see allergens from various sources. You know, when we're talking about seasonal, we're generally thinking of the shifts that occur from the tree life cycle with release or liberation of pollen. Um, so pollen can come from trees, plants, grass. We can see dust as an allergen. In fact, there's you know dust bowls that we're seeing more and more of as we're seeing soil degradation. I was going to say doyle. <laughs> soil <laughs> degradation, uh, which is really concerning as we're seeing a lot of shifts in the composition of our earth. Uh, we can see, of course, insect bites and stings, venom driving allergic response. That would be more of a direct derm versus, of course, inhaled. Uh, we can see the impact from dander from animals. So, you know, animal fur that, the, itself and the dander as well as the debris that the animal's rubbing in and bringing into your household. Uh, mold is a big one as far as inhaled allergies. And then we can even see allergies to, of course, foods, which I would kind of categorize segregated mm -hmm. from today's conversation. So there's, of course, IgE, those immediate uh, hypersensitivity food responses to things like peanuts and shellfish. Uh, and these would be in that same category of what we're talking about today in the mechanisms, but we'll, we'll keep the food allergies in a separate topic. And also we can have allergies, of course, to medications, like certain individuals will be reactive to certain forms of antibiotics. And then other topicals, latex would be another one known in the medical field as far as use for like gloves or even latex condom reactivity and such. And so uh, topical as well as oral, but today's primary focus is going to be respiratory or inhaled. Sure. Yep. Yep. Good segregation because I think there's <laughs> there's a lot of rabbit holes to go down um, on some of those other topics too. Um, so let's first start off, Allie, with just um, kind of laying the groundwork of what might cause someone to have, you know, terrible allergies and, and allergic reactivity, whereas other people are literally unaffected. Sure. So there can be anatomical, and I think that's worth noting. So an individual that has a deviated septum, mm -hmm. for instance, or nasal polyps, and often this will require some form, depending on the severity of it, of a surgical intervention to regulate. That's not the majority of people, however. The majority of people that are dealing with severe allergies will have respiratory stress issues like asthma, um, unmanaged stress, which is a huge part of the puzzle. Uh, and this can be seen during times of like recent trauma or even falling illness. Like someone may have had mono, which would impact their immune system on a viral level, or maybe they ha have had COVID and they had a viral flare, right? And their immune system is just still going through that trauma stress response. And then now they're exposed to the higher seasonal allergens and they're going to have a flare, whereas maybe past seasons they hadn't. Um, we can also see lifestyle and hormonal influences, which can impact stress as well, but times like pregnancy, and we can even see um, transitions of sexual hormone during menopause. Yep. I know I had a stuffy nose and runny nose during pregnancy for like no good reason all of a sudden. So super interesting. Well, to the know. immune system suppressed, you yep. know, we know that with pregnant women. And so because the body we, we want, that's one of the protective mechanisms of allowing baby to thrive in the body is the immune system, if it was on high wire, would potentially auto attack the growing embryo, right? So there is that impact of, of pregnancy. And that's why people with autoimmune disease often feel the greatest during their pregnancy because that excessive immune response is definitely reduced. Um, and it's really, we see higher amounts of, of allergic rhinitis and even seasonal allergy response 
in women that are pregnant. And the tricky part is that, you know, the a lot of the OTC or over-the-counter options for women that are pregnant um, aren't safe um, or might be a class C. Um, so we really will focus on a lot of the things in today's episode mm-hmm. are safe, like yes. our Bio C Plus and using raw and filtered honey. And so definitely this is a good one to share um, with pregnant friends or, or, you know, family members if you know that that's an area of focus. But on the immune system in general, I would just touch on, you know, again, if the immune system is weakened um, or is not, remember we think of the immune system as like the surveillance system, right? So if it's not surveying and it's not picking up on the high pollen day or this high amount of antigen, then we can see more of an immune flare, if you will, once the immune system allows too much in. And so if you aren't actively creating that phlegm or the sneezing or some of those regulating mechanisms, then that buildup can really cause some of the more severe reactions like the cognitive impact or or more chronic influence in the body. Got it. And then kind of the chronic systemic inflammation would be another piece of the puzzle. And that might go hand in hand with the weakened immune system too. Most definitely. And again, the big connection with the stress, which yes. I really want to go let's, into. Let's do that. Okay. Because <laughs> I just feel like that's, you know, maybe that's just the me and that's why I always highlight on it. <laughs> the majority of our listeners, type A individuals. Uh, but, you know, I mean, this one just really sticks to me because it's the tightest trend that I have seen overlooked in individuals. And when we're regulating someone in clinic, let's say that we've run their neurohormone panel and we saw that they were in stage three of adrenal insufficiency and we put them on that glandular of adrenal support, you know, then we all of a sudden start to see, you know what, I am not dealing, I'm not taking any over-the-counter antihistamine mm-hmm. all of a sudden, or, hey, I realize that my fatigue has improved and I'm not sure if it's just because of that organic energy surge of the adrenals or because I was dealing with that balloon head or my cognitive clarity has really enhanced. And again, the connection there is that cortisol we often demonize cortisol in you know the medical world of too much drives belly fat um, or too much can drive insomnia. Well, too little cortisol drives chronic inflammation. And again, corticosteroids like your Flonase, if you're inhaling, is actually an exogenous cortisol. So we want instead with a functional approach to give you the glandular so your body can produce cortisol as a natural antihistamine. Yeah, that was a big aha uh-huh for me moving to Houston. I hadn't met you yet, so you couldn't have told me that that's why I was having allergies. <laughs> but I remember my first year in Houston, them being very severe. And I thought I had a cold at first and it went to like an ear infection kind of thing. And I'm sure it was more so that I had just moved cities, graduated college, started a new job, yeah. teaching preschool, not knowing what that guy was doing. And it was incredibly stressful. And I've noticed the impact since I've started adrenal support. Um, like if I notice I am having a little bit more kind of rhinitis symptoms, I can pop one of those and pretty quickly it'll clear up. Yeah, there was a really cool study that we will highlight in the show notes. Uh, The subject of the study was perceived stress predicts allergy flares, and it was in the annals of allergy, asthma, and immunology. And they looked at the, the trend of actually just a perceived stress. So they weren't actually looking at biochemical alterations. They were just looking at the stress response and how that was connecting into allergy flares. So the findings really recommended things like breath techniques, mindful meditation, and really managing the stress response. So it's an equal element of getting the glandular of the adrenal support um, probably two to three times a day for someone that's dealing with allergy response. And so during that allergy season, maybe going an extra tablet or so, remember it's best to cut off by 4 p.m. Mm -hmm. So this is like rise, maybe, um, you know, 10 or 11 a.m. and then like 3 p.m. or something like that. I generally try try to recommend segregating by four hours in between each tablet. And for some individuals, they'll do like two tablets at rise and one at lunch, and that works just fine. Uh, But we also want to manage the stress response or the triggers. And this is where I would bring in adaptogen support on a supplement level. So adaptogens are really great at regulating the adrenal gland to not go into overdrive mode, especially when you may be stimulating them with the use of adrenal support. So I really think of adaptogen boost and adrenal support as like best friends that should not be separated (laughs) because the adaptogen boost ensures while using adrenal support that you don't go into that overdrive mode. But what's more, I've been such a fan of adaptogen boost recently. Uh, We did a YouTube video on 
women's hormones. And there was a really cool study on rhodiola and that regulating the menstrual cycle and enhancing fertility. Um, you know, the adaptogen boost has three primary ingredients. So it's Panax ginseng, rhodiola, and cordyceps. And cordyceps is really an important traditional Chinese medicine influencing factor on respiratory health. So fantastic for antiviral support in respiratory virus, um, but cordyceps also have a role in regulation of allergic and inflammatory conditions. Um, in fact, it was featured in the Biological and Pharmaceutical Bulletin in a study that demonstrated that cordyceps had a direct influence on immune-mediated mast cell function. So they looked at the um, TSLP, um, which was actually able to be suppressed through the cordyceps compound. And so we found that as the cordyceps was consumed, the TSLP was able to be reduced, and that was a big driver to the mast cell development and activation. So the study concluded that the active molecules within cordyceps could be used as a treatment of allergic inflammatory diseases exacerbated by the TSLP mechanism. Super cool, and all the more reason to take adaptogen boost. <laughs> yes, yes, most definitely. And that's that's the uh, the TSLP came from the thymus. It's a it's a thymic stromal lymphopoietin. Yep, <laughs> yep. That's why I just said TSLP. TSLP sounds <laughs> sciency enough for me. <laughs> yes, no yes. doubt. But we'll link a couple cool studies on that. So that's one that I think of for sure when there's ever respiratory stress, bring up that adaptogen boost. Sure. And that can be hanging around like four a day as a, a typical intake, sure. two twice daily. Yep. And then I think another big area of focus, especially with more severe seasonal allergies, is gut issues. So both dysbiosis and leaky gut tend to trend with worse outcomes. Yeah. And I think part of that is because there's a compounding impact of the overall influence of mast cells. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if an individual is dealing with food sensitivity, whether it's mediated by an IgG, that delayed influence of inflammation or an IgE, immediate hypersensitivity, there's going to be more inflammatory mechanisms activated in that individual until they resolve their leaky gut, you know? So I've likened leaky gut to like being a high pollen day for the immune system, but instead, we're looking at the gut-blood barrier, and we're looking at something that you've consumed crossing into the bloodstream, and then the immune system saying, whoa, these protein particles or these molecules from the food are far too large to belong in the bloodstream. We must attack all of it. And that's where we can see these inflammatory mechanisms. So if the body's already keyed up to higher inflammatory feedback from leaky gut or being overwhelmed if the immune system is already distracted, then it's going to be less apt to regulate the seasonal allergens or the inhaled. And then dysbiosis itself, if there's an overgrowth of bad bacteria or yeast in the body, that in itself also will drive excessive or unregulated mast cell reaction. And we can see this when we're looking at neurotransmitter tests with an excess of GABA or excess histamine in, in the uh, urine analysis. And typically for those individuals who are dealing with severe allergies, I'm going to MRT and or beat the bloat cleanse, depending on yeah. what we've determined to kind of be their driving factor and sometimes overlapped. And often these individuals won't tolerate a live active probiotic formula, you know, so if you have failed the probiotic challenge, most definitely you do want to follow up with the beat the blow cleanse. You can actually resolve that dysbiosis, but an indicator of intolerance of probiotic, again, is another marker of dysbiosis. And that could be in an individual that also deals with seasonal allergies. Totally. Um, and then, you know, bringing in things like bone broth, which we'll get to more food as medicine um, in a moment, but using something like bone broth and potentially even our GI lining support, I think could be really effective if you do know that you're dealing with leaky gut. Yeah. I mean, again, that GALT or that gut-associated lymphatic tissue is the tissue that lines our intestines and it plays such an important role with storing the immune fighters. So both our T cells and our B cells are essential in attacking pathogen or dysbiosis or virus, right? A pathogen can be virus, bacteria, yeast, anything that really doesn't belong in the body that's that's li live, if you will. But also those compounds play a role with the antigen antibody connection of these allergens, be it from pollen or mold or dust. Totally. All right. Um, so 
certain foods, I guess, can make allergies worse too. Do we want to cover a little bit about that? Yeah. I mean, if dealing with allergy season, this would be a time to definitely reduce known irritants to the gut for that reason, because why would you damage the galt Mm -hmm. (laughs) with, for instance, gluten, corn, soy? Uh, I would definitely pull out those and refined processed sugars, which feed dysbiosis and bacteria imbalance. So having an anti-inflammatory diet is key. And then definitely adding in, as you mentioned, some of the food as medicine, like bone broth, gelatin, these really do create that mucilaginous kind of oopy goopy protective coating. And then the L-glutamine in there is like a facelift for the gut. The L-glutamine actually feeds your enterocytes or your gut cells to aid in the repair process of that gut blood barrier or that leaky gut lining, if you will. If you have known leaky gut um, or if you're someone that does deal with food sensitivity or allergy, I would most definitely bring in the GI lining support as a supplement tool because that does have really high dose L-glutamine. You're getting 3,500 milligrams per scoop along with aloe and DGL or diglycerized licorice root. So that does help to coat and protect the damaged tissue, reduce the inflammation and potential ulceration. Again, another call to action if your allergies came up with stress because stress mm-hmm. tends to really drill holes in your gut lining. So that's another trend that likely you need to layer in the GI lining support. Maybe you aren't experiencing bloating or distension or bowel regularity, but that stress can cause like that butterfly effect or nerves in the gut. It can also cause a little bit more heartburn or reflux or like that just acidic irritation, ulceration feeling. And, and we've seen such an influx, I can't say it enough, of gastritis over this last Last year with the pandemic and people just kind of holding that stress in their belly. Totally, totally. Um, and then beyond, you mentioned um, removing some of the gluten and more inflammatory foods. Other foods, like I asked Byron last night as I was writing this episode, it's like, what's the most dynamic thing that you think that impacts your allergies? Because he's the one in our household who really has, you know, in the past had pretty severe allergies. He brought up alcohol as a big driver. Um, especially like some of the, um, you know, beers and things that he doesn't do super often, often he'll drink that. And the next day I can be like, Hmm, what did you do that (laughs) is causing you to be, you know, have a runny nose and be sneezing all day? Yeah. So I think alcohol is one to definitely hit on because it can wear away at the balance in the GI, you know, microbiome influence. So we know that alcohol, especially like spirits are pretty sterilizing to the gut, Uh, We know that the ferments, especially like the beer and the ciders and such, can often be very yeasty or yeast dominant. And then those can also have pretty high histamine themselves because Mm -hmm. they are fermented. Um, what I would note is like if, if alcohol must be consumed or good, better, best, I would note that that's where like the dry farm wine, I, I find that to be a obviously clean because they have no sugar added and they do watch for the amount of sulfite that is present in those wines because sulfites can drive more severe histamine reactivity as a preservative. And especially the like allergic rhinitis symptoms. Mm -hmm. And I think what really drives a lot of hangover in individuals. Um, So there's the sulfites that we would see. And those would be higher in the higher sugar wines. So also if it is already a drier wine, you'll have lower sulfite. And then the fact that Dry Farms tests for the active sulfite level in their wines and make sure it's under a a percent that is very low and really can't be found outside. Um, They also test for things like glyphosate. So if we're talking about um, the influence of pesticides and agricultural runoff in crops, uh, that's definitely a big influence on the rhinitis and the toxicity that would drive more of the symptoms or the severity. And then there are beneficial studies that we do see of, of all of the alcohol choices of wine with the resveratrol and you know the more traditional dry farm process that would actually support the microbiome and work synergistically so I'm not sure if Byron's tried exclusively doing dry farms and if that's been influential but um, no, I know we'll that have to experiment a little bit yeah <laughs> I know that that's worked really well for some clients so sure. I'll, I'll put the link for them here as well if you use Allie Miller RD when you purchase from them you will get a bottle added to your order for only a penny um, and again it would be the cleanest option if looking at uh, alcohol as an irritant. Totally. 
Um, and then there's some foods that can have cross-reactivity, like if you have a ragweed allergy. Um, I was surprised to learn that like sunflower seeds will often come up as as uh, food to avoid, or echinacea and chamomile, kind of in that same family. Right. Even melons, bananas, cucumbers are all in that ragweed family. So that would be worth knowing about for sure if that is a known reactant and then otherwise i would just say generally the high other histamine foods which we touched on that pretty Mm -hmm. deep in that episode with dr becky campbell so i'll let that do its uh, work for a revisit for those of you which is basically fermented fermented and um, preserved and aged yep um okay so let's talk maybe for a moment before we get into what we can do about all of this um let's talk on some of the conventional treatments for allergies because again I think a lot of people like literally along with their daily multivitamin as a necessity might be popping a Claritin or spraying some Flonies and not really thinking twice on like the concerns for long-term use. Yeah so antihistamines have been available for over 50 years and you know what they do is they reduce the effect of the histamine released from mast cells. Uh, the mechanism of action can cause the undesired side effect of drowsiness. And um, of course, that can be influential if working or driving. Um, and then we can see the decongestants, which could be used in combination with antihistamines, would reduce the swelling of mucous membranes. Uh, there is steroid medication, as I mentioned, which would be in that corticosteroid family, uh, which could be taken orally uh, or could be used inhaled, like the Flonase that we've referenced a couple times. And then there is immunotherapy, which is the injection, which is called allergy shots, um, as layman's term, right? So immunotherapy is going to take the injection of a diluted solution of particular pollens that the the individual, there's kind of like a, a perfect chemical equation that will be done after allergy testing. Then the allergist will come up with a solution of the pollens that that individual had more reactivity to. And um, then they're going to be inducing that compound to help teach the immune system, if you will, to be less hyperreactive. However, I will say that the immunotherapy or allergy shots can induce some serious anaphylactic reactivity that's been seen in individuals. Um, and so some countries actually ban this for use as a tool. Yep. And, and really all of those tools, you know, likely we don't want to be doing that long-term because there are going to be side effects. So you mentioned the drowsiness with some of the decongestants and some of the antihistamines. Yeah. So that can influence performance. As we mentioned, we can also see then an interference with ideal mucosal Function, so we can see dryness in the eyes, nose, and mouth. And as we've discussed, when we're talking about pandemic, got to keep bringing it back because it's just the hot topic forever. Um, <laughs> but really, you know, dry membranes cause more risk factor of a viral infection to replicate and actually inhabit that individual that was infected. So as we've talked, like using the exclear um, or, you know, really keeping mucosal membranes Um, more moist, like hot showers and such, is actually great ways to prevent viral infection. So that could be not just the dryness as an irritation factor, but actually could increase infection risk factor, which I think is important to note for sure. Uh, And then we can see abdominal distress, restlessness, and kind of like stimulation issues, uh, which can drive insomnia. We can see heart palpitations, especially with those corticosteroids. Mm -hmm. Uh, We can see unusual bleeding and bruising. And then especially in children, these can be quite exacerbated. They're not always going to be dosed appropriately. So that's something to be mindful of and watch out for. But we can see from upset stomach to impaired cognitive function to overexcitability. Um, And so I'm already thinking, okay, now then that kid's going to get added on the ADHD list and that whole world of medications. And we can even see side effects as far as severity of nightmares and then the insomnia and sleep issues and all the other noted for adults. So definitely not something we want to be relying on daily for a long period of time. And I think all the more important to support the terrain. And that's my thought process too with like this world of allergy shots and allergy testing. Um, I know I've had a lot of clients who've done like the skin induction testing and things like that. Um, And usually I say, sure, it's, it's good to identify if you really can't figure out what's driving the allergy if it's something you can modify and control in your environment um you know but if it's like you're allergic to your cat well (laughs) 
<laughs> you're going to be around them. Um, but maybe good to know what kind of pollens to stay away from. Um, but it really comes back still to finding that underlying root cause, in my opinion. Me too. And the concern is when we're talking about allergy testing, inducing an antigen through the fully intact, mind you, through the derm, um, you know, so meaning the skin. So especially with the world of food allergies, Mm -hmm. you know, food goes through such a process of chemical and enzyme influence that the bacteria in the body play a role on what actually then as an antigen is passing through the gut blood barrier. So that fully intact particle does not belong in the bloodstream first and foremost and when you you know use the dot testing and you're actually inducing that in through the derm that could actually teach the immune system to be more on high guard and can drive more severity of allergic response and then i think even with respiratory system you know as we talked about the importance of breath episode all of the different innate immunological functions of especially breathing through our nasal passage versus an open mouth mm-hmm. we're still getting a totally different chemical temperature influential variance of how we're getting the delivery of that antigen into our bloodstream and so i think that that's worth uh, considering it, it i don't believe it to be accurate and i believe that yes you can find overlap of reactions for sure but it could also induce or create more of an inflammatory immune mediated response which would be unfavorable and then your point exactly on the allergy shots becky if yes you could teach the body to be less reactive to that compound but the reason why you were overreactive that terrain as you're referring to the microbiome the stress influence and cortisol regulation the nutrient depletion um, all of those things are still remaining and so you're just going to play cat and mouse or whack-a-mole and then be dealing with another Mm -hmm. allergen and and how how sustainable is that type of approach we always don't want to just block one of those molehill you know whack-a-moles we want to resolve and eradicate the moles exactly and we can't just live in a bubble um, away from whatever we're allergic to and we don't want to live in a bubble anyway nope (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh okay um before we get into solutions and what we can do about all of this let's just have a quick break from our sponsor for this episode nutrisense yes so nutrisense is a continuous glucose monitor that provides you with real-time data on your blood sugar You wear a sensor for a 14-day or two-week window, and it comes along with an iPhone app or smartphone app that can help you to actually visualize your blood sugar data in relationship to real-time daily activities. So you'll be able to see the influence of your sleep, your stress, your exercise, and of course, your dietary intake. And then the team at NutriSense provides personalized recommendations on how to improve your health and better manage your blood sugar response. So NutriSense completely takes out the guesswork from the equation since you get to see your personalized response to food, stress, exercise, and sleep instead of a one-size-fits-all or generic recommendation. You can purchase a CGM or continuous glucose monitor by visiting NutriSense.io. That's their website. And when you use AlliRD at checkout, you'll get $30 off the monthly subscription plan. Again, you can go on over to Nutrisense.io and use AlliRD to save on the monthly subscription. For me personally, what I found with the use of a CGM was the dynamic impact on stress. And I got to tell you, I have tested my neurohormones probably eight times (laughs) at this point. Um, I forget. I think I had Stella at, how old was I? I don't know. How old am I now? 37. And I think I had Stella at age 32. And so pretty much three years prior to having Stella and onward, I've probably done it at least 15 times the saliva and um, uh, assessment of my cortisol and my sex hormones. And I was able to manage things on that level, but to see a real time active influence of my blood sugar going up to 140 when I was trying to wrap up clinic as a consistent trend throughout my day, that really helped me to re-strategize not only my supplement strategy, ensuring that I took more calm and clear. (laughs) Could I take more calm and clear? Yes, is the answer. And I went from, you know, six a day up to like nine to 11, that was able to impact and bring down my blood sugar. So it was cool to see that. And then also to see how I allow myself to schedule my clients, you know, 
forcing myself to take a break. And I don't think as a type A, you know, fight or flight individual, I would have done that without seeing that data. So I'm confident that you will also see some shock and awe information when you use a CGM. Go on over to Nutrisense.io and uh, put in AllieRD at checkout. And I'll link the episode if anyone is curious about Allie's CGM experiment. And I'll be doing my own coming up probably when Noah starts introducing solids or a little bit thereafter. I was getting overzealous and I'm going to (laughs) wait. Yeah. You don't need to stress it and get more data at this point. (laughs) All right. um, So let's transition into what we can do to actually reduce symptoms. So I think starting with environmental shifts. So obviously, you know, we can't get away from all this stuff, but we can potentially reduce or avoid some of the exposure to potential allergens. Right. The answer is not live in a bubble and don't go outside. Please don't take that as any advice. I want you guys to still go outside for at least an hour every day. But you can do things that will help to ensure that you don't bring the outside inside, Mm -hmm. right? So definitely thinking of in high pollen season, um, taking off that exterior layer or if possible, even changing your clothes, um, making sure that you shower after outdoor activity or at least before bed so you don't bring that into your sheets. Um, washing your clothes and sheets more frequently could be considered using a HEPA air filter in your household or, you know, in the primary area that you're working, maybe a portable one for workspace and bedroom use. Uh, again, instead of allowing those dry nasal passages, you want to use more nasal irrigation. So we weren't sure Becky came out to look at my property last week and I brought my X-Clear yep. bottle. I was like, here girl, <laughs> just in case you need it. Um, maintaining that active irrigation pre and post exposure. So right before you go outside and right after will flush out um, so that it doesn't sit and stick and then create more of an inflammatory immune response. So I use the Exlear. And then the colloidal silver nasal spray could be considered if um, having more of an immune reaction, whereas the Exclear is really just saline with a little bit of grapefruit extract. The colloidal silver I would use more as antiviral support. Um, and then what are we thinking on like oral supplements, Becky? So I think cellular antioxidants is always my number one. Has always been my big go-to uh, first and foremost. Both the glutathione and the NAC in that formula, or N-acetylcysteine, actually can help with reducing viscosity of our mucus. So this is going to allow airways to get and stay clear and help to improve respiratory function. And working as an expectorant, so yep. both thins and helps the expelling of the phlegm or mucus. And um, I would say another thing that's really important with cellular antioxidants, I've even used that in times like in California when the fires were going on. Mm -hmm. So pollutants, because these are the most powerful antioxidants in the chain. So going to reduce oxidative stress. So another one, if it's unknown, especially mold or toxins, I would even up that further. The uh, cellular antioxidants from like four, four to six, I think is a good influential area. Now, Cellular antioxidants, because it provides an oxidative stress reduction or high antioxidant potency, can impact energy. And um, that's why it's Brady's favorite. Uh, he, he's like, ah, oh, cell antioxidants. I'm Incredible Hulk. Um, I would just say for that, some people do have reactivity if taken too late in the day. Sure. Other people I know take it at bed as well and sleep like you know an angel. So that's great. But be mindful that it could be somewhat stimulating. Um, I generally hang at three a day as my baseline, but if it is a higher pollen time, I'll, I'll up it to four and that does the trick for me personally. Yep. And I think that one too with just all of the unknown of exposure to you know disinfectants and all of the things with pandemic that's a really important supplement for everyone to bring in and if to be exposed sure. you know we've have seen such compelling literature on the use of even glutathione again as an inhalant mm-hmm. um, for respiratory therapy if infected with covid sure. and helping to support oxygenation so celly antiox is just like on the list as a, a bar none but especially more reason with seasonal allergies yeah Um, And then our BioC Plus would also be another one that I would say, you know, taken daily and then likely pulsed up during time of need with allergy impact. 
Right. So the vitamin C is going to do a couple things. Of all of the tissues in the body, the adrenal glands hold the most vitamin C. So vitamin C is definitely depleted under stress. It plays a role with that cortisol metabolism. So getting that feedback or that refill of vitamin C is important for stress regulation, but then it also has its own mechanisms of immune boosting properties. It can actually help specifically to deactivate excessive histamine and the the quercetin. So what makes bio C plus plus is that it's not just ascorbic acid. It's not just vitamin C. First off, it's whole food derived vitamin C from acerola cherry. And then it has bioflavonoids in it, which include quercetin and rutin. And these are compounds that have been shown specific in research as flavonoids that can reduce also histamine excess in the body. Yeah, and that rutin also helps with um, utilization of that vitamin C. So really good formula. And that one, I would say, you know, starting with a baseline of one to two a day, and then same thing, going upwards of like four, even six, um, just watching for bowel tolerance with that, but during time of immune distress. Yeah. So by bowel tolerance, Becky means if you get loose stool, (laughs) uh, vitamin C can be osmotic. And so that would mean that you have enough intracellular and now it's spilling. So, uh, you know, there, everything has a certain threshold in the body, but there's no known toxicity to to vitamin C. The feedback you'll get is loose stool. And then you would just pedal back a little bit, but two capsules provides 1.2 grams of vitamin C, which is a great dose. Yep. Um, and then our inflammazyme is another one that I use a lot of times with my individuals with, you know, severe seasonal allergies and the proteolytic enzymes and the turmeric in this can really help with reducing that swelling of the nasal passages. And I also use this for folks who have nasal polyps. So when their, you know, nasal passage is more blocked by mucus, they're going to be more impacted by allergy. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's a good point. And, and that kind of buildup of tissue mm-hmm. or, or undesirable tissue, this is another formula we use for things like fibroids. So it can be used to aid in breaking down malformed or buildup of tissue in the body. Also, if the body's recovering from an injury, remember we said that following trauma, we can see higher allergies. So if there was car accident um, or a sports injury, you know, where there's like even, even like, let's say an ACL surgery following or something like that that it would be good to be proactive with the inflammasome so that the tissue recovery and repair is optimized, keeping things regulated in that inflammatory state. But also then you're regulating with that quercetin and rutin also featured in this formula as a way to regulate the histamine response. Um, And then beyond that, probiotics are a big area of focus. So obviously, like Ali said prior, potentially doing that probiotic challenge if you haven't already. Um, But I have found that especially the rebuilt spectrum probiotic can be really helpful, um, especially with like mold exposure and things in the household for helping to reduce that allergy impact. Yeah, so for sure, for the seasonal allergies, I would lead with the rebuild spectrum as the key formula. And that's the one that's the green capsule. And so I'll often say for individuals, you know, if they had just finished a, like the beat the bloat cleanse, following that in our bacteria rebuild, we use the rebuild spectrum probiotic and then the restore baseline probiotic along with the GI cleanup to just kind of help to eat away. I would still use GI cleanup as a way to regulate seasonal allergies as well because that phagocytotic or um, property of that particular probiotic strain to eat away at the buildup or debris can also help to regulate that mast cell reactivity in the body. And so the GI cleanup would be a good one if you don't tolerate probiotics. And if you failed the probiotic challenge and aren't ready to go on to the beat the bloat, you might then try the rebuild spectrum as Mm -hmm. one that you may better tolerate and then wait on the live active lacto and bifido blend, which is in the restore baseline or targeted strength is four times the potency of that restore baseline. And then as we mentioned, the GI lining would be a big one here to bring in as well to help to support that gut lining integrity for dealing with leaky gut and potentially seeing that contribute to allergies. Yeah. And I would call out also in the world of probiotics, the um, kids biotic would be Mm -hmm. a really great one. And the strains in that are very similar to the restore baseline or targeted strength. 
and they've actually been shown in clinical literature to reduce fever, rhinitis, sick days. And so, you know, kids are just gunky because their immune systems are just learning (laughs) all of these things. And so we have seen in study after study, the impact of probiotics on enhancing immunological development and function. And so I just think it's a really important one to keep in daily and then just discern if you're an adult of which of these formulas feels the best. Um, But if known rhinitis for an adult, I'd I'd go with the Rebuild Spectrum. However, that kid's biotic is a really great entry one for kids all the way up to age seven. And then you could switch them to one of the adult formulas or, you know, if they're not wanting to swallow a pill or you don't want to open up, you could keep them on a higher dose of the kid's biotic. Sure. I think that's a really good point because we know kiddos are affected too. Yeah. Um, And I want to note before we go into kind of like herbs and fun stuff, uh, the EPA DHA extra would be a big one as well. So when we optimize our omega-3 fatty acids, we see a significant reduction in reactive airway. We also see significant reduction in asthma. And so again, these can be keyed up or higher through the inflammatory response when exposed to seasonal allergies. So keeping your baseline of your inflammation regulated is going to help to offset those cytokine storms, if you will. Uh, So the EPA DHA extra, about two grams a day of omega-3s are important. And it's so funny when we mention all of these supplements and things, um, I know that whenever it feels like there's someone that gets uh, offended by messaging, like for instance, when we, I have to banter real quick. Back. Go ahead. <laughs> She's like, oh gosh, here I'll it comes. allow it. <laughs> when, we, when we posted our promotion of the uh, Texans for Vaccine Choice, um, you know, there was pushback and someone was comparing vaccines to a traffic light. And, um, you know, I, I just can't, I can't entertain that. That's like the pediatrician that compared getting your child to mask as a comparison to your child wearing pants. And I just won't compare a smile as a threat or as an inappropriate, uh, connection when compared to genitals, for instance, you know, and I can't compare a traffic light where stopping at a traffic light does not inject you with adjuvants, does not have an immunotherapy manipulation on your DNA. It, there's just, there's just none. No, you can't, you can't do that. Okay. <laughs> so I'm not going to play ball when someone's throwing dirt. Okay. And you know what, what often these people will do after they kind of try to connive or question or push back is, and they'll say, well, you know, but of course you just, she said, what's worse Worse than censorship is misinformation or telling one side of the story, um, which I don't believe talking about advocating for a physician and parent to make the choice for the child telling one side of the story. It's talking about the freedom of choice. Um, and I don't think that there was any story other than that. It wasn't vaccines bad. It was not, that wasn't the story. That's what she wanted to see from my message. And that's what she chose to see. Um, I think that it's just important when we're talking about kind of like questioning positioning, often people will then throw, oh, but of course you must say that because that wouldn't sell supplements. And I just want to give the point of this. You can buy your supplements anywhere, but I've created the Naturally Nourished line to provide you with products that are potent, effective, and affordable. And you can always, you are always welcome to take any of our recommendations, print off the page of our product and go to your health food store and try to find something that compares the same dosage in a similar or less price point. Because I do not think you will, because I've busted my ass to ensure that I am doing something amazing for you guys by providing the supplement line. This is a way for me to give back to you, not to take advantage of you. And so I just like to make that very clear. I never hide the fact that I sell supplements. Yes, we're giving you direct formulas because we've already done the work for Mm -hmm. you. This is a huge advantage. Um, And so I just wanna give the chance of having that conversation in point. And one case in point, I had a client that I just started working with that was taking this tuna supplement. Guess how many milligrams of EPA, it was an EPA DHA fatty tuna supplement, okay? And it was through a good quality supplement line. I won't say the brand because I don't want to brand bash. But guess how many milligrams, Becky, of EPA were in a capsule? 50. Um, 30, three, oh. three, zero. <laughs> and so I was talking to her and she's someone that does muscle testing with her practitioner to learn about reactivity. And I said, I honor however you find treating your body to be appropriate. But with functional medicine, I just practice with peer reviewed recommendations. And you know, when we're talking about our EPA DHA, what's the EPA in one capsule of that? Well, now that we've got the heavy hitter of the more intense single capsule, I believe it's 920 per capsule. 
Yeah. So, you know, when you get two, you're getting close to that 2,000 milligrams in that two capsules. And I was like, um, in order to get from that 30 to 2,000 milligrams, you know, I mean, that's talking about a heck ton of a lot of capsules. That wasn't taking 10 capsules to get from 30 to 300. We'd be talking about taking another 100 capsules. Is that correct? Am I doing the math about right? Yep. Yeah. Pretty much. So <laughs> so you just can't line up. So I just want to make that little point um, that as we're listing things, you are always welcome to use this as empowering information and not buy anything. But I've created an opportunity for you to buy the best product out there that's already vetted, that's third-party assessed. It's tested for potency, purity, that's screened for toxins, mold, additives, and has guaranteed the milligrams of said active compound in each pill or tablet or powder. Yes, I think that's really important to know, especially when we're talking about effective outcomes with something like allergies. And it's so funny because that Texans for Vaccine Choice episode itself, we didn't talk about a single damn supplement the entire time. We were just allowing a platform to speak about, like you said, medical, you know, freedom and choice. So yeah. <laughs> anyway, anyway um, yeah. maybe let's talk some herbal constituents. Um, a couple I've found effective for Byron. So I always do, you know, the cellular antioxidants, the bio C, the inflammazyme for him. And then he's already on the rebuild spectrum and EPA, DHA. Um, And that's a big one we actually talked about in our respiratory health. Um, I just remembered that episode while you were talking about it, but respiratory health where we covered a lot of importance of breath and and, yep. The importance of breath. Good. Yeah. Um, but we talked a lot about that as an intervention for kiddos with asthma and, and other, you know, reactive airway. Um, so just in my experimentation with Byron as my (laughs) case study of, of, formulas for allergy, I found that um, quercetin sometimes in slightly higher doses can be really helpful. Um, so upwards of even a thousand milligrams daily of the quercetin when he's having like a really severe flare um, and stinging nettle at about like 300 to 500 milligrams a day. Um, so this is going to have antihistamine and anti-inflammatory properties um, helping to you know reduce those um, severe outcomes and and histamine reactivity. Um, so there's a formula from orthomolecular, it's called DHIST, that combines a little bit higher dose of quercetin, nettle, and then it's got some bromelain in it as well that functions as a proteolytic enzyme, um, as well as an additional dose of the NAC and vitamin C. So a little bit of overlap with our formulas, but that's the one that I'm like, we've tried pretty much all mm-hmm. of them out there, and, and that's the one that I found really effective for him. And that's the one you'll kind of pulse in, and then keeping yep. the naturally nourished formulas as the foundation, if you will. And then the other one to know is the multi-defense that he takes daily, which is our our base multivitamin because getting, you know, 2,000 micrograms of vitamin A supports the immune response. And um, there's 5,000 in there, for instance. So that's going to regulate the inflammation and antihistamine properties as well. Yep. Um, And I'll link that formula outside of our line just because I think it can be really helpful. We also have to link from Brady's experimenting. I don't have the name of it, but whatever he was having us shoot, um, like the Texas... Yeah, is it specific to cedar or is it the Texas tree something? It's like a homeopathic shooter. Yeah, it's a homeopathic shooter, but it does have nettle in it, I know for sure, and a couple other herbs. It it may actually also have in it um, the butterbur, which is another herb that's been shown to be very supportive from hay fever to bronchitis and allergic rhinitis and more. Um, so just always check when you're playing with herbs, if you are breastfeeding or pregnant, if it's one that is known to be safe. Um, but we'll throw in a couple in the Amazon store. We'll throw in that orthomolecular dehist as well as some of these tinctures, uh, which could be beneficial and they kind of work homeopathic works almost in that immunotherapy allergy shot type response mm-hmm. of here's the compound, teach your body to respond and coming with other compounds that regulate the inflammatory mechanisms. Yes, I just got some of that tree, a different one, but um, one of those Texas cedar, whatever, because I thought I had cedar fever. Might have been something else. <laughs> DVOC. Yes, DVOC. <laughs> All right. Over uh, that hump. Let's get into um, a little bit of food as medicine for allergies, just to round things out for today. Yeah, so I think local honey is a really fantastic tool, and there has been randomized clinical trials using 
local raw honey. It is important that it's raw so that that pollen um, antigen is already in there. Um, but the internal international, excuse me, archives of allergy and immunology had patients that consumed honey with significantly better control of their allergy symptoms than those that were on even conventional allergy medications. So you could use a local raw honey to relieve your symptoms and adding that to warm water, like maybe in our hot toddy, uh, that also will break down and thin your mucus and work as an expectorant. Um, there's lemon in there and um, you, there's ginger in our toddy as well, which also can be anti-inflammatory. And I would note on the honey, this is an important one to really be taking and using year-round more as preventative. Um, still could be helpful, certainly, with some of the symptoms, especially like itchy, scratchy, or sore throat. But you'd want to be doing that ongoing throughout the year so you're getting that micro-exposure. Teaching the body, right, yep. about the pollen in the area, yep. for sure. And then spicy foods, for sure. Um, so spicy foods are going to also thin out mucus and uh, support that uh, break up, if you will, of congestion in the body, also regulate the inflammatory immune response. Uh, your garlic, onion, um, and allium family both can support with NAC and quercetin in those foods. So we're getting a nice support there. And then you might look at as something to combine those, the master tonic, which is our ferment using the apple cider vinegar, as along with the spiciest peppers you can find, horseradish, garlic, onion, ginger, um, and you take it as a shooter. And that in itself, because it gets you quite a kick, um, can really be something that you can do just acutely, more like when having a high flare time, a couple shooters a day, if you will, to kind of kick through anything that's bothering the immune system. Yep. And then bone broth, we mentioned the connection of leaky gut. So I think bone broth would be a really great thing to bring in again as like a daily staple, but especially if you are having symptoms, it's got that N-acetylcysteine to work as an expectorant and, you know, adding a good amount of, of salt in there, doing a bone broth that is cooked with um, black peppercorns I've found who can be really, really helpful for kind of breaking that stuff up. Yeah. And in the immune protocol, I feature a link to the 40 clove of garlic soup. Yes. <laughs> so you get a special <laughs> immune support there from all of that garlic. And then I would say probiotics are really important as well as we touched on probiotic and supplement. Probiotic and fermented foods would be great. If you do not tolerate them though, still hold the brakes and go forward with that beat the bloat cleanse and then keep going with the detox support and add in that uh, cellular antioxidants to tolerate the cleanse so you don't get too much debris, if you will, from the gut cleanse itself. And if you're dealing with mucus on your probiotic choice, try to keep that dairy free. Mm -hmm. uh, so you could do coconut yogurt or kimchi or sauerkraut, pickled vegetables, miso in your bone broth, all those would work fine. Uh, you might play with some tropical fruits. Uh, so half a banana in your protein shake or some frozen pineapple for that bromelain. Um, and then, you know, especially if doing that with like zest of citrus to get my, more of those bioflavonoids we featured in the BioC Plus. And then any other big ones for you, Becky? Spirulina was something Ooh. that I haven't played with this. I just was surprised to find that there's a, a pretty, you know, good amount of research, including double blind placebo controlled studies on spirulina at about a teaspoon a day. Doable. Yeah. yeah. Um, having been proven to significantly improve symptoms, including nasal discharge, sneezing, nasal congestion, and itching due to allergies, like adding that into a green smoothie, that yeah. might be something I'm going to experiment with, with let's, Byron. Let's do that. And we'll add that to the Amazon store as well. So we will put links to our favorite recipes. The last thing I do want to muse on is tea, because I think that there was such cool information that we found when researching for today's episode on the polyphenols in tea and how these specifically support immune function and actually can help with this inflammatory response of seasonal allergen. Yes. Yeah, so black and green tea, we've seen both of those to have really beneficial immune supporting compounds, including the theoflavins. I don't know if I'm saying all these things right. Um, theorubicans, um, helping to, uh, decrease um, inflammatory response and helping to protect ourselves during infection. So both for allergy and other immunological hits, if you will. Yeah. And then the green tea, of course, having that EGCG, that catechin that can support 
the um, metabolism of the body, body fat burn, but we do see that tea in general, the polyphenols within white tea, green tea, and black tea have been shown in studies to support and balance both the innate and adaptive immune system. So that initial immune response, when that pollen gets into our system or when that virus gets into our respiratory system, and then the adaptive or the learning feedback mechanism of the antibody-antigen relationship, which helps us to learn and be less reactive. Then there's also L-theanine in tea, which I would note, which aids as an amino acid to support the alpha brainwaves. So that helps us to respond to stress more favorably. That can reduce that fight or flight response and regulate the cortisol metabolism. Uh, we'll put some of our favorite tea infusions. And I think that this is just something really fantastic to try to make as a food as medicine goal. If it's fallen off, um, you know, always cap your coffee at eight ounces a day, but maybe bringing tea in midday would be a great delivery for that honey, maybe some of that citrus in there as well, um, and getting all these immune and stress-supporting compounds. My favorite tea that I have been using and so easy to use is the Peak Tea because they come in these single packs and they're easy to use in hot or cold and can be thrown into your briefcase or on your desk if you're trying to make a new ritual or habit. Uh, they have such bold color, taste, and flavor, and I find them to be just really concentrated and therapeutic to really get some of the outcomes that are supported in the medical literature. And they even have products that incorporate more medicinal mushrooms, if you will, with their tea, like reishi or ganoderma. Um, and we've seen in Asia that this is a traditional Chinese medicine tea that has been indicated for a tool for cough, shortness of breath, weakness, or times of stress. So it works also as like an adaptogen. And what's cool about Peak is I've been known to take like a green tea pack and a reishi pack and blend them together because mm -hmm. um, maybe I don't have the discipline to have two cups, but I know the beneficial effects and the flavor profiles work really well to do some of these kind of like mixology <laughs> hybrids, if you will. Um, and so when you go over to Peak, you can use Allie Miller RD at checkout and you'll get 10% off your order. Yeah, I love that for even adding to like a water bottle throughout the day. Totally. I'll often do just one packet to like 32 ounces of water. So it's more like tea flavored water, but I drink so much, so much damn water right now. Yes. And water <laughs> I, is yeah. worth knowing yeah. for thinning out mucus and phlegm as well. I totally. Would say. The last free <laughs> food as medicine, if you will, uh, make sure that you do have filtered water. You're drinking it in glass or stainless steel, but water, 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 because you have to support your body in that clearing. Um, and that'll help to thin out the mucus and phlegm as well. All right. So hopefully you guys enjoyed today's episode. Again, please go on over to iTunes or wherever you are listening today. Leave us a five-star review along with a couple of sentences of why you love the Naturally Nourished podcast. Thank you for listening to the Naturally Nourished podcast. Visit our blog at AllieMillerRD.com for recipes, wellness tips, and food as medicine meal plans. Connect with Allie and Becky at AllieMillerRD on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Until next time, stay nourished and be well.